red, opposite green, I'm a, I'm a red thumb. So for me, gardening is when something gets too long, grass, everything, you cut it. Um, that's gardening, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I do know a few gardeners, and I know that it involves a bit more than that, somehow. Um, where do you plant things, how you maintain the soil, the nutrients, the water you use, all sorts of things, you know, and how you stop bugs and weeds taking over and destroying the plants. So today's uh, parable is about gardening, it's about farming, it's about using um, the land and making plants, and so it's not something I'm good at, but it's something you might take away a lot from if you are a gardener, because the, this parable tells us essentially that God is a gardener and he's a very good one. So it's a good, that might be something to take away and to think about a bit. So as Mark said, this is the second series. We're looking at this series of parables that Jesus told, which are stories, to help people understand what the kingdom of God is and what it's like. Last week in our combined service, Tim looked at the famous parable of the sower, and some of you are still getting seeds out of your eyes from <laughs> the sermon, this one there, yeah. Uh, <laughs> God casts his seed into the world, his word, and people respond in different ways. And that parable looked at why people respond differently to the message of Jesus and when they hear it. Uh, today, the parable of the wheat and the weeds that we heard, it looks actually at a different aspect of the kingdom of God. So just to refresh your mind, oh, that's, that's my garden at some points during the year. Um, now, when we think about the kingdom of God, it might be a term that you're not familiar with, uh, when we say that, we're actually what we're talking about is the kingdom of God means wherever you can see God at work in the world. So it's a very broad idea. It includes a lot of things. It's not a political state or an actual kingdom somewhere. The kingdom of God is all the ways that we can see that God is active in our lives and in the world around us. That's, that's what Jesus was talking about. So if you think about an example, um, if when we see people forgive each other, um, and have renew a relationship. That is actually an expression of the kingdom of God. Uh, when someone comes to faith in Jesus and changes their life, that's the kingdom of God. Um, and on a bigger level, when nations perhaps uh, come to peace after a time of war, that would be the kingdom of God because it's God's work and, and people are seeing him at work in the world. So this parable that Jesus tells is about how we can understand the reality that God's kingdom is at work in the world, that God is doing things, in light of the fact that the world also contains many uh, people who reject God and much evil and things that resist God's plans and purposes for the world as well and even try to destroy uh, what he's doing. So as Mark told us in the beginning, in one sense this parable is about the very well-known uh, problem of evil from the perspective of the kingdom of God. Now, our conversations earlier, you might have realised, of course, there's a lot of aspects to the problem of evil. It's a very dense problem and it's one that I don't think I can answer today. I don't want to raise your expectations too high. I'm sure you had trouble explaining it to each other. But what this parable does is it actually looks at one aspect of this problem and helps us to understand how we can understand it more deeply if we understand God's purposes in the world and his character a bit better. Um, so when you think about the problem of evil, it is actually the question of if God is good, if God is in control of the universe, if he is powerful, then why do evil and suffering still exist? Is God not powerful enough to stop them? Or does he not care? Is he not good enough? He doesn't actually fit, want to. And this, this is a tension. It's not just an intellectual problem, of course. It's um, a deeply troubling problem 
for many people, and including many Christians. And it's probably the most difficult problem that you have to wrestle with in your life of faith, how to reconcile your belief in God with the, fact, with the reality of what the world is like at the moment. So it's, this problem comes up in this parable, and Jesus looks at it from the point of view of the kingdom of God and what God's doing. Because when Jesus was coming, he was telling the people that he saw and us that in him a new era of God's kingdom in the world was coming in with Jesus. A new, a new time of history was starting when God was acting in a new way in the world. And the question that came up for people as they were listening and might come up for us is why, if that is actually true, Jesus, is there still all this trouble in the world? Why are people still resisting God? Why do people still reject him? And why do they still do evil? Um, why does God not punish or get rid of evil people who are stopping his kingdom from um, being seen? Um, and this is a you know, the people that Jesus was speaking to at the time, this was a particularly pressing problem because when they understood the kingdom of God, they tended to understand it in a, in a more political sense. That is, God was going to send someone who was going to come in and get rid of all the evil in the world by conquering God's enemies actually changing the world to be the way that it should be and where people would acknowledge God as their Lord. And so Jesus had to help them understand well, what the kingdom of God was actually going to be like. And so that's one of the purposes of this parable. So let's look at what it says. So Jesus says in the, in the passage that the kingdom of heaven, by which it just means the same as the kingdom of God, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a field of wheat. So there's a farmer and he has sowed good seed in this field of wheat that he's hoping will grow. But during the night his enemy has come in and sown seeds of weeds along it as well. And now, I don't know if you've ever thought, just yourself, what is it that makes something a weed as opposed to just an ordinary plant? It's an interesting question. We were discussing this coincidentally just a few weeks ago over lunch in the church office when the staff were together. Um, I know you may be under the impression that when ministers get together we talk about deep spiritual things and we discuss, you know, deep issues. And what do you think the problem the answer to the problem of evil is, Tim? And, you know, that kind of question. But um, often it's things like, did you enjoy the latest Star Wars movie and that sort of thing. And also, yeah, we had this conversation, what actually makes something a weed? Um, so I went away and looked it up. Uh, Google's fantastic. But there are a couple of things that you might say about a weed. It's either something that is harmful or toxic to humans or animals, a plant that, we don't, that does us some damage so we don't like it. Or, more basically, a weed is a plant that is in the wrong place. Okay? It's, it's something that's growing where we don't want it to. So it causes us trouble. So, you know, blackberries are great, aren't they? They're really tasty and I'm sure they're welcome in many places, but some of you would exterminate them on site if you found them in your backyard because of the problem that they cause. So they're a weed in that context. So what Jesus is talking about is this problem of weeds, and he has a particular real-life issue in mind. Um, the weeds that he's referring to are probably a plant that which is called uh, darnel, darnel. It's a poisonous plant that looks almost exactly identical to weeds, uh, to wheat, sorry, and so much it's almost com it's commonly called false wheat. So. Um, and it's only possible to see the difference easily between wheat and darnel when they're fully grown and the grains come out because darnel's grains are black. So this made it a very effective method if you wanted to sabotage someone's wheat uh, crop because you could go in and sow the seed and they wouldn't know the difference or what had happened until, it was, until the wheat and the weeds had grown up together. And then it was very hard to harvest the crop without contaminating it. So it was a very serious thing and people got in a lot of trouble for doing it. 
So this is the dilemma that faces the farmer in this parable. Someone's come in and put this weed in his wheat crop and he realises as it grows. And when his servants discover it, they want to go out and do some weeding in the fields. You can read that. They want to clear the weeds out. But the farmer says, no, guys, if you cut this down, if you pull it out, that might not be good because it might um, damage the rest of the crop of, the, of wheat. He's thinking more thoughtfully about his garden. Um, so he tells them to wait until after the harvest and then they can separate out the weeds and the wheat together and then dispose of the weeds uh, when everything's fully grown. And so Jesus tells people this is a picture of the kingdom of God in the world and how it works. So there are two things at work here. The wheat, God's work, God's people, God's way is growing. But alongside it, there are weeds. There is evil. There is rejection of God's kingdom. And, and they're together. And so I think this is one way that Christians can understand uh, the problem of evil um, in the world uh, and, and think about what it means. Because there are two things that Jesus is saying here. The first is that God is actually quite patient with evil in the world even though it makes the kingdom of God seem a bit mixed up. God tolerates these weeds. He allows them to grow until the harvest. He doesn't pull them up. That's the first thing. God is patient. The second thing is that in the end, though, he will deal finally and definitively with this problem. The weeds will are pulled out. They are separated out and burned. So I think as we struggle with the problem of evil, as people did in Jesus' day, um, this is, these are two ideas that we need to hold together to understand what God is doing in the world um, and to think more deeply about it and the reality of the kingdom of God. So let's just think about what this parable then means for us as we wrestle with the problem of evil in the world, in the, in the people around us and in our own lives. And as I said, the basic point here is God's patience with evil, his patience. And that's something that actually can sound not very pleasant to us or very attractive. I mean, why? Would you tolerate or be patient with evil if you could do something about it? And we believe God has a great deal of power. Why doesn't he exercise that? This is, of course, this is the feeling that we get when we see terrible things. Why don't you do something? Um, the issue that the parable of the wheat and the weeds shows us is that in the reality, the world is actually a very complicated place. This is what Jesus is saying. Everything in the world at the moment actually contains a mixture of good and evil. So there are things like the darnel weed that um, appear very good and it's only later that we realise how evil they were. Uh, there are really good things in the world but there are, they are still entangled in amongst the evil that exists as well. So you can imagine that these, the root systems of these wheat and weed plants are all tangled in together and that's why the farmer doesn't want to pull it up because they'll pull them out at the same time. Um, so, you, so you, good is tangled up with evil. And even very good people that we know, even very great cultures and nations and really great institutions can have a dark side to them, the church included. We all know that very clearly nowadays, don't we? Um, and there are bad things, bad people and bad uh, you know, societies and bad cultures that can still do a lot of good. Um, bad things that happen to us can, can lead to good results in our lives. Good things that happen to us can make us worse people. Um, so it's not, it's not straightforward. Um, as Jesus said, in this world at the moment, the wheat and the weeds are alongside each other, mixed in together. It's very hard to separate them out uh, and to tell the difference. Let's do a spot the difference, just to give you a little thinking about that. One of these pictures is a picture of Darnell and the other is a picture of wheat. So 
who thinks that the picture on the left is the weed? Let's give it a sec. Okay, who thinks that the picture on the right is the weed? Well, it is the one on the left is actually the darnel, and the one on the right is a, a normal wheat, uh, wheat plant. So you can see this is the problem that Jesus is saying. How do you tell the difference between evil and good until you can see it very clearly? And it can be really hard. So this is just to say, as Jesus says, that the problem of evil is very complicated. It's more complicated than we might think um, when we perhaps watch the news or, or those sorts of things. And dealing with that is not necessarily a matter of God just using his power to destroy it, to destroy evil. You know, that would be like using pesticide, going through to destroy all the weeds, or burning the field to get rid of the weeds. That would work. It would get rid of all of them. But unfortunately, it would get rid of the wheat as well because they're all mixed in together. Um, you know, I know it's easy. We look and we say, why don't you do something, God? Why don't you get rid of evil? Isn't it easy for you to do that? Um, but if you ask that, if you think about it, once God started punishing evil, if, he, if that was he, what he was about, where do we think he would stop? <laughs> once you start, where would he stop? Okay, do we know, can we isolate good and evil from each other in the world? Um, it's not that simple. There, there's a website that I came across recently called slaveryfootprint.org. Maybe go and have a look at it at some point. You can go on and you tell it, what your lifestyle is and all the things that you own in your life and particularly electronic devices and things like that. And it can tell you, on, you know, a little average estimate about how many slaves they reckon work for you around the world in different plantations and factories to make the things that you use in your life. Apparently there are 54 slaves that work for me. Now, I don't know how they figured that out. But it's true, isn't it? I am implicated in the problem of slavery because of the things that I have. And all of you will be too. Um, so if God were to remove that problem from the world, get rid of it completely, he might have to get rid of all of us as well because there is no clear demarcation between the evil of that and the good that is in us as well. It's a very complicated problem. Not to say that good shouldn't be done and things shouldn't be done, but punishing evil is not as easy as we might think it is. So um, the solution to the problem of evil from God's perspective might not be as simple as we would hope it, it is. Um, and we can see that, you know, often we th people tend to be of the mindset that you can solve a war or a problem of terror or something in the Middle East by dropping bombs. And I've never, I've never think that it doesn't really seem to work because um, the, it seems to go somewhere else, the problem, once you blow it up. And unfortunately, there is this collateral damage. There are wheat, uh, is wheat that is destroyed. We always hear about schools and orphanages and hospitals being blown up. Um, it's actually not easy to isolate evil and blow it up with a bomb. This is what Jesus is saying. So God doesn't do that. God, that's not how God deals with evil because his plan is to save the world, not to destroy it. And that means that he is going to have to be patient with evil, with the weeds, because they can't be separated out yet. He's a careful gardener. He wants a good harvest, not a pure field with nothing in it. And so what we might take away from this is we think about the problem of evil. It's not a problem out there. It's a problem in here. It's a problem inside us and, in, and around us, in between us, which all of us are included in. And so if we take that perspective, God's patience actually starts to sound good, even though it might sound slack to us when we first think about it. Because God's attitude of patience towards evil is actually related to his love for us, his mercy towards us, and his desire that actually we would change and that evil would come out of us. 
So, I mean, it's a, the parable sets things up very black and white. There's wheat and there's weeds. That's how a story works, because it, it makes you think about the difference. But of course, we know that in real life, it is possible for evil people to change. It is possible for good people to grow. It is possible for there to be things. It's not just you're a weedy person, you're a weedy person, and there's no, you know, there's no hope. Um, God actually desires weeds to, to become wheat, and that's the whole point of Jesus' message and mission. So God actually, his patience is for a purpose, that the wheat would grow, God's kingdom would go forward, and that the, the, weed, uh, the weeds would become uh, more like the wheat. This is what it says in um, 2 Peter, in chapter 3, verses 8. Peter is writing to the church about this issue of judgment. And he says to them, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What this is saying is that this should give us all hope in the face of this parable of the wheat and the weeds. Uh, one thing that I know many people struggle with as they think about their lives is the sense that the weight that they've got of the past and the mistakes they've made are, ca- are going to hold them back and that they are too far gone for God to have time for them. It's too late for me. I've done too much. You may believe that. I meet many people who do. What Jesus is saying in this parable is that that is not true. If God had really written us off, he would have just pulled out the weed and thrown it away. But the fact that we're still here shows that he is still waiting patiently for us. He doesn't want us to perish. He hasn't given up. He still has time for us. So we should be patient with ourselves too, not write ourselves off and not write other people off as well. It's hard to do because we see the problem of evil. But God is patient with it. He wants us to repent and to change, not to destroy us. So it's okay as we grow, if there are still imperfections in us, if we're we're, actually getting um, a bit better and there are things that still need to be dealt with, we're tangled up with evil and sin in our lives, because God's plan is to gently disentangle that and to separate it out when the time is right. That's what it means to grow as a Christian. We don't need to change overnight. But we actually do need to be changed, though. Um, that's the other side of this, question, of this issue. Because it doesn't, this time of waiting and patience doesn't last forever because God does have to deal with evil. Uh, he says, Jesus says the harvest is coming. There is a judgment. Um, we, I know we can find it hard to hear Jesus talking about judgment. I know, when, the, when you were reading this Bible passage, the second half was probably harder to listen to than the first. Um, When Jesus talks about destruction, it's hard to hear. But this is actually just the other side of the problem of evil. God is patient, but he does want to deal with evil. He's not going to leave it there forever, and he wants to save the world and make it the way it should be. And so there will come a time when everything, as in the parable says, is fully grown, when it is able to be seen clearly for what it is and separated out. And that is in the world, in our lives, in ourselves, people, and our own hearts as well. That's the time when the wheat is separated from the weeds. And that includes us and everything in us. And that's a sobering thought, isn't it? That we will actually one day be seen for what we are. That is why as Christians, we now turn away from sin and ask Jesus to forgive us and to have his righteousness, because that's what we need. 
when we face that harvest and we face that judgment. But what it means for the problem of evil is that there will just, justice will be done. In the end, it will be done. As Jesus says in verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The wheat will be seen for what it is and we will be the way we're supposed to be. God will separate out the impurity from in us and throw it on the fire. So, yeah, this is a difficult parable. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think I've answered the problem of evil today and that's okay. But um, this is a parable which speaks about realism and hope in the face of evil in the world, in our, in our faith in God. Um, it's a good way to start addressing that problem because the problem is a problem of our relationship to God and what he's doing, not an intellectual problem about the world itself. Um, it's not a theoretical problem about evil out there and what God's going to do about it. It's about the evil that all of us are wrapped up in and which all of us need to be set free from. It's good news that it's going to happen and God is working to do that. And he wants to do it in us as well. In that passage from 2 Peter, which I quoted earlier, it goes on a bit later in verse 14 to 15 to talk about the day of judgment. And so Peter encourages Christians who are looking forward to judgment to say, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. We have the time. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. That is what God's, God's attitude to evil. He wants to save us from it and he is waiting. And it's our, term, it's our time now to respond and that the kingdom of God will grow in the midst as we do. So let's pray now that God would show us that in our own lives. Heavenly Father, as we look at the world, we are appalled and shocked with the evil that we see, with the suffering that we see, the way things are, and at times we, we despair or feel that there is nothing being done. We thank you for the revelation of Jesus, that you are at work in the world, that your kingdom is growing. Uh, we pray that we would see uh, and discern clearly the weeds that are growing alongside it in our hearts and in the world in which we live. Please give, make us brave to deal with that and patient as you are in allowing you uh, to work in the world and in our lives. And please, we pray that we would be able to see your grace setting us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Almighty God, your Son Jesus.